You're listening to The Impulse Project, featuring music from the demo scene and the tracking community. Welcome to another episode of The Impulse Project. This is episode 25, and like we do every fifth episode, we are introducing a new chip today, and that chip is the NES APU. So, I am Ed, and with me, as always, is my buddy Brian. How's it going, guys? What we're doing today is talking about the NES and the NES APU. This is probably one of those chips I'm sure that a lot of you guys are very familiar with. Probably one of the most famous uh, (laughs) sound chips ever. You know, if you're not uh, a a usual demo scene listener, you're probably more used to hearing it in video games than you are using amateur music and stuff like that. So hopefully there's a lot of cool stuff that you guys will hear today that you might not be familiar with. Um, So what what track brought us in, Brian? All right, so that track, um, well, thanks, Ed, for uh, taking care of that, that first part and explaining it because well really quick i want to say you know the nes the the sound chip yeah i think it's one of the most famous if not the most famous we chose to do it a little bit later because we kind of wanted to look at some some other chips that maybe didn't get as much attention like the uh mega drive and stuff like that earlier yeah the nes though had a a very special place in um a lot of americans and uh, japanese hearts uh, now I'm not sure. I don't think it was quite as popular in the UK and Europe 
um, as it was over here, but it still had a pretty big um, following and um, a lot of fans around the hardware. So I think everybody can um, enjoy uh, and remembers that true like NES sound very well. And so playing some of these tracks today, hopefully it um, you know brings back some of that love you have for uh, video game music and just the NES in, in general. Yeah, I, I think the market in the UK was... Uh it was more shared with like the Commodore 64 and then later on the Amiga where in America we really didn't have the, the those systems existed but they weren't nearly as popular as they were in the UK so we, we pretty right. much had the NES and then we had a bunch of you know like the Apple IIs and stuff that weren't really capable of playing very good games so right, right. the NES was just kind of after the Atari 2600 went obsolete was like the the video game staple in all American households well I, and I think to kind of build on that I think that in the US you know we kind of had a definition for um, a video game machine like a video game console mm. whereas um so we defined you know like the nes this is what you play games on a commodore 64 an amiga you know an atari that's uh or atari st you know computer based that's for computing you know that's so we would divide that and so you know c64 maybe didn't get as much love in the game department but i think it did have um, a widespread like you said you saw it in schools everywhere and that that's true it was everywhere yeah. in schools but i don't think a lot of people were using it for multimedia uh, in that sense, it was more business oriented. So the NES is what we got. And that's, you know, that was our, our bread and butter for uh, gaming growing up. Absolutely. Yeah, that track that brought us in. So this is a good example of what the NES can do. That track that brought us in was called French God. And it was composed by Ilmark of Trilobit. And this is using PAL timing. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, this was released in September of 2006, and this was the soundtrack for the Quantum Disco Brothers by Whamma, which was a demo that took second place in the Stream 2006 Combined Demo Compo. If you're using an emulator to watch this, you have to make sure that you use one that supports the CN-ROM mapper. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a neat little demo. It's a little basic. I kind of was wanting a little bit more, but this track is off the charts, man. It is incredible. Yeah, it's very, very bouncy. I love the arpeggios. It's got a nice deep bass line. And, you know, it just keeps on kind of like trading off those sound channels using different lead instruments to kind of keep the whole thing funky and fresh. It was really cool. Yeah, I really like it because it... You know, it does kind of have like a like a funk that we don't really hear in video game music so mm. much. I mean, maybe more from like Alberto Jose Gonzalez or something like that. But, you know, as far as like what, uh, you know, the majority of NES games, you know, coming from Japan and stuff like that, uh, we never really got as much swing and funk in uh, the track. So hearing something kind of in uh, the original hardware, no expansions, anything like that. Uh, it's kind of rad to um, to kind of get that sound out of the NES. I don't know. For me, I was like, oh, wow, this is feels totally new. feels totally yeah. cool. It's, it's very interesting because, you know, this being one of the systems, one of the only systems we've shared on this show so far, um, this being one of the only ones that I've really grown up with besides, like, the Game Boy, it's, it's really interesting seeing the different style of music that you get when you listen to demo scene tunes or rather than video game music. It just, it sounds almost like an entirely different system at some oh, point. Oh, I agree. That's why, like, you know, we both have video game music podcasts, but none of this stuff that we play on the show really fits in that in that realm. So yeah. uh, it, it's cool that we have a, a common place to, to share this and, you know, you guys can listen to uh, some really awesome tunes we got today using this this chip. So real quick, we've talked about Ilmark before in the show. We actually had him on episode 20 for our Game Boy chip spotlight. And um, Ilmark, his real name is Pavo Sampo Ilmari Pesi, and he's from Finland. And uh, I kind of stole the notes from uh, from Ed, what he uh, did in that episode. But <laughs> he's, he's mainly an Amiga scene composer. Uh, he first kind of branched out into the C64 and did some streaming music and even some Atari 2600 stuff. He's all over the place, but he really started composing uh, around 1993, and he's still doing music today, which is pretty awesome. Try a little bit. This was a group that he was a member of during this this period when this track was released. Uh, he was the artist of the group, the main kind of guy behind the graphics and sound. He wasn't um, originally a coder, but he said in his little notes there that the Atari VCS drew his attention and all the spare time. So uh, he started doing like these uh, different effects and playing around with stuff and eventually got more experienced as uh, an actual programmer. 
And anyways, he's been part of a few different groups. There was Surprise Productions, Bilo Trip, and Whamma. And uh, yeah, just a, a really cool composer. He's got a lot of really uh, interesting stuff on different hardware. Again, we had a you know a Game Boy tune from him a few episodes back, and now we got an NES track from him. So cool. Yeah, I think uh, what Saint Saint Demaclo was the uh, track we played on the game. One probably one of my favorites from that show. So yeah, Elko Marks got awesome. some really amazing stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I heard this and I didn't know it was him at first, and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be awesome. And then I saw it and I was like, man, we already did an Ilmark track, but it's just too good to leave out. So. <laughs> Uh, if 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 a track is good, we gotta still you know play it no matter exactly. what. <laughs> exactly. We have loose rules anyway. So let's talk about the NES hardware real quick before we jump into our next track. You guys probably already know it backwards and forwards, but just to give you a little breakdown of the channels, um, the chip itself is actually called the Rico 2A03 in the U.S. and Japan. In in Europe, it's clocked a little bit different, so it's the Rico 2A07. And this has got five channels. This has uh, two pulse wave channels with four duty settings. So it's like 12.5, 25%, 50%, 75%. And it also has hardware sweep controls. The third channel is the triangle channel. And there's no volume control. It's either on or off. So uh, it's either full-blown volume or none at all. This is mostly used for um, drums and bass and stuff like that. It's usually used in that range. Um, the fourth channel is noise, simple noise generator. Uh, not nothing really special there, but it's got really NES has a classic kind of noise to it, and I think everybody uh, has grown to kind of love it. And lastly, the fifth channel is the DPCM uh, channel, which is a low quality DMC samples that are stored in 16 kilobyte banks. And in video game music, we didn't really see this used too much in the early games, but as the NES kind of grew uh, in its you know lifespan, uh, we saw composers starting to introduce that DPCM channel uh, a lot more in, in their in their songs. Yeah, or you know, in vocal samples, really really gritty vocal samples <laughs> in in lots of games like yep. Double Dribble and, and all that stuff. So <laughs> kind of a famous channel for a lot of the quotes yeah, that came out of the NES. Yeah. I was trying to think of a few, and I got like. 30 that run through my mind but uh, yep yep exactly so um there's uh, a few different trackers that uh people have been writing the music in that we're kind of hearing today ed you got the list yeah for sure um some of the most popular trackers out there include uh deflamask which runs on windows linux or mac uh, there's Nest Tracker for Windows, Nerd Tracker 2, which runs on DOS and Windows. That's kind of an older one. It's not used too much anymore. Mm -hmm. There's NTRQ, which I haven't even heard of before this show, so yeah, I'm neither not have I. sure. Yeah, um, I, I'm just going off of uh, you know other people's information on there. <laughs> I, I'm taking that as a, mm, I guess that exists. Yeah. There's Muse Tracker for Windows, and then there's the most famous and the most popularly used one, uh, Fama Tracker, which is definitely the most verbose and uh, powerful tracker that's out there. And that can also export to NSFs, which is kind of like the prime way that you would listen to an NES um, hardware file, either on a real console or using an NSF player, but then can also export to an actual ROM, which is nice. So you can actually put it on like a flash card and play right. that music directly on an NES uh, without having to convert it to anything, which is really cool. Right. Uh, do you want to go a little bit more into the Famitracker capabilities? Yeah, yeah. So Famitracker is kind of legendary, and I think a lot of that is not just due to the fact that it's uh, easy to use. You know, it's it's kind of a gold standard. Uh, I think what it comes down to is it has a really big community around it. Um, a lot of people use it, a lot of famous, um, well-known composers even nowadays uh, will use it to recreate that NES kind of sound. It's got a, a big support community and a lot of people that are very dedicated to using this piece of software. So they add all sorts of new features all the time. It's capable of a few different chips that it supports as far as not just the NES, but the expansion chips as well. There's the MMC5, the VRC6, Famicom Disk System, the VRC7, and the N163. It's missing a few, or it's missing one, but I think they're trying to work on proper support for that. However, uh, like Ed said, you can export to WAVE, NSF format, uh, it allows MIDI input keyboard support, uh, it has MML data-like definitions, uh, multi-track support. There's just a wide range of different built-in effects and stuff that you can do, kind of like any other tracker. And I think that's what draws a lot of people in. It's got modes that uh, really resemble stuff like uh, Impulse Tracker 
or um, any of the uh, well-known trackers, Pro Tracker, anything like that, has a lot of that same kind of demo scene uh, vibe around it, I think. Yeah, it kind of eliminates a lot of that learning curve that a lot of veteran composers would, you know, have to worry about when they start composing for a new system. So Famine Tracker kind of makes that a little a little more easy as well. Yeah, I've used it a few times in the past. You know, I have nothing against it. I just, you know, I I have plenty of other things to worry about and work on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, it seemed pretty cool. Yeah, and we have a lot of, of, of friends of the show that use it almost on a regular basis, too. So right. uh, I'm sure we'll have a couple of tracks from them as, as the show goes on now that we're supporting this format as, uh, as we go on for our free picks. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, you mentioned expansion ships, and that's something that we haven't talked about yet. And we will talk about them as we go throughout the show. We've got a couple of tracks that will uh, kind of demonstrate these sound expansion ships and how, how composers can add to those five channels that the NES... Right. Uh, kind of comes stock with but for now for my next track we're going to go completely stock nes um this is kind of an oddity for the show in general because it's not it's it's like a demo scene track but it's from japan and it came on a famicom cart but it was released just last year so it's really cool it's from a japanese video game composer by the name of keishi yonayo and this is called mass purple it's from the 8-bit music power music disc let's take a listen to it That was Mass Purple from Keishi Yonayo, and that was from the 8-Bit Music Power disc released for the Famicom on January 30th, 2016, uh, exclusively through PlayAsia.com. I think this is a great second track because it kind of demonstrates the versatility of this sound chip. You know, you had that really bright, kind of happy track uh, from Ilmark that that brought the show in, and then there's this (laughs) massive pulsing bass monstrosity <laughs> oh my god uh this is this is actually a really cool track i um i, I could see where this might be a little bit it's kind of borderline experimental and so yeah, that doesn't bit. that doesn't uh, really touch everybody the same way but uh i really like that use of i, I want to say it's the dpcm channel that's just doing that yeah i can't make that sound with my mouth but uh you know what i mean like uh just has this um, this really looming, like odd but like powerful bass and like buzz behind it, and I think that that's really interesting, kind of interesting use that we didn't really see earlier on with like games and stuff like that in the you know back in the day. Uh, so very cool track. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that 
all of the three tone generators are all in the bass range, like for the entire track. Right. You never hear that in a video game at all, because you know usually games need to have some sort of bright sound to it. But uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of industrial and, and acid jazz and, and a lot of experimental music. So this this really just kind of hit me perfectly. This is interesting because um, this music disc uh, or this music cartridge is filled with a lot of it's all different composers, right? Right. And so uh, it's really interesting to go through. You sent me the uh, the files over, and I was kind of going through it. This has well, got to be a year ago. There's just so much diversity. I mean, these guys are really doing some interesting things with the uh, the NES sound chip that we haven't really seen before, or we haven't really heard before that much. Yeah, and a lot of these guys are classic uh, game composers who were composing for, uh, you know, the MSX and the X68000 and even the NES, you know, back in the early 90s. So they've got 20, 30 years of experience with this chip. So, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to see them go back to their roots and do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, that maybe they wanted to do when they were composing for video games, but they had the limitations of working within, you know, a game's theme. So right. that was really cool to see that. The other cool thing about this music disc is that it does show you, like, um, it, it, it's got all the channels listed out in front of you, and you can see the levels. You can see each each channel play its its part. So it's it's got this really cool kind of piano roll thing going on. So you can see when the noise channel hits, you can see the samples play, and you can mute them too. So you can kind of experiment with the track and see which each, which each part does all from within the NES or the Famicom, whatever you're playing it on. So it's it's really, really neat to see it kind of in action. Yeah, that's, that's really cool because, you know, we can do this with uh, NSF files like on the computer, but to be able to actually do this uh, you know, muting channels and seeing the the different meters and stuff on the actual NES. That's a pretty incredible feat. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it kind of shows that the people who made the music disc knew that the consumers would be very interested in this. So uh, there was only like I think ten thousand of them made. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get one. Um, they just started pre-orders for 8-Bit Music Power 2 on PlayAsia. I was lucky enough to snag a pre-order for that, too, so that'll be coming out uh, sometime in March. So I'm really uh, excited to be sharing some of that. Uh, whenever I find some cool tracks off of that, I'll share that on the show as well. So um, that'll be sweet. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. I didn't know yeah. they were doing a second one. You should have told me, jerk. I, they, still <laughs> might, they still might be available, so you might be able to head over there and, and grab one if you want. They're a little more expensive this time around, though. I think they realized that Oh, because this also the, the second one also comes with a um, a music CD as well, oh, so I, see, I don't I have to. Um, well, actually, yeah, I should I should mention on the show that this uh, this particular track was recorded uh, directly from my own NES. This isn't an NSS. This is a real hardware recording. That's awesome. from the NES, which is cool. Even better. Um, yeah, and and you know, Keishi Onayo, he's still in kind of like the music creation business. Um, he had a hand in designing the Korg DS10 music program, which is available on the Nintendo DS, and he wrote a lot of the demo tracks that were included with the software. And huh. I know there are a lot of seniors out there that really like using that DS10 music program, and I've seen a lot of uploads on some um, you know, scene-oriented Facebook groups where people are putting these DS10 tracks on, because um, it uses basically the DS music hardware, so it's almost kind of like its own separate chiptune in and of itself. So That's awesome. It's, it's cool that he had a hand in, in, in designing that. So, um, yeah, And, right. and Unio has a SoundCloud where you can check out music that he's been composing, you know, beyond all of the video game stuff that he used to do, and he's also got a website that kind of shows off a lot of his stuff, too. So we'll, we'll put those in the show notes. You can definitely go check them out. Very awesome. Indeed. Very cool. All right, you ready to move on to uh, the next track? I am. Now, we're going to start heading into expansion ship territory, right? Or We, we are. We are. I, I have one uh, more, you know, expansion list track left, but uh, I, I think it's time to, to jump in, especially after that track. I got one that uh, is really interesting. The next track we're going to hear is called Spring Tame, and it's composed by DJ Maximum. And this track's really unique because it's using the Sunsoft 5B expansion ship, and uh, it's only using that, which is really unique. Uh, Ed, why don't you tell us a little bit about this this chip? Yeah, well, these NES and Famicom expansion chips uh, are basically, they're called memory mappers, and it they're called that because it remaps how the memory is located uh, on the cartridge itself. So basically, it, it includes its own processors in there to let the NES and the Famicom uh, basically do more than what the original hardware was capable of when it launched. So 
this chip was originally called the Sunsoft FME7, and this particular 5B variant contains a version of the widely used Yamaha 2149 chip. This sound chip was only used in one Famicom title called Gimmick, and uh, what happened was they basically emulated this chip, and now people are, are able to use it to create their own um, music instead of it just being kind of relegated to this this one game. Yeah, it's funny though. I mean, it's it was in one game, and people yeah. are like, "Nope, we got to do it. Got to have it." Granted, granted, the music in that game is absolutely fantastic. So uh, it's <laughs> well, yeah. People fell in love with the chip and uh, the soundtrack, and so now they want to use it for their own stuff. So let's take a listen to Spring Tame. That was 5B Spring Tame, composed by DJ Maximum. This was released in March of 2016, so just last year. And uh, this is using the Sunsoft 5B expansion chip. I thought this was uh, a really interesting track. And the reason why I picked it is because, first of all, I thought it was really cool. Uh, and so I was like, oh, this is definitely uh, you know something that could be on the show. And then I realized it was only that expansion chip, it, it kind of made me a little more interested because uh, it's not using any of the stock NES channels, like at all. Yeah. And uh, it's a clever use. It was my uh, it was my way to kind of um, usher in or kind of sneak in some ZX Spectrum music into the <laughs> into the mix. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I just thought it was a, a pretty cool track. Interesting use of that chip, and um, we can hear. Uh, it, I mean, it really doesn't it does not sound like an NES track to me at all. No, not at all. And you know, there's a lot of empty open space, especially with that you know da dun da dun da dun that kind of chuggy bass. I feel like you could even probably fit some NES APU sounds, you know, to kind of round out the music if if you wanted to. But I feel like it really fits very well, especially when that percussion comes in after like the first 15, 20 seconds or so. Right, right. It's it's really impressive. I, I was kind of like, wow, this is really. I wasn't expecting because you know with the ZX Spectrum and you know with the AY chip, you don't really get too much percussion and a lot of it's the tone generated stuff so right. I, I was kind of surprised and impressed at the same time with with and especially probably since he wasn't using composing software that was really generated 
with this kind of com- composition and this chip in mind, so it's even more impressive that he was able to come up with it. Yeah, no, as far as I uh, know, because this isn't supported in Famitracker, I, I yeah. believe it's not supported in Famitracker, um, he must have had to write this out all out or use some other you know, application that I'm not aware of or, you know, one of the listed above that I haven't tried. Um, so it's it's quite interesting. And I think that might be maybe this experiment actually um, was the reason for composing. But uh, I just thought it was fun. I, I don't know how I came across it. In fact, when I first heard it, to be honest, I thought there was a problem with my emulation. I thought that I was missing some channels or something was just not sounding right because you Mm. get that first 15 seconds like you said that's kind of empty and so I was like oh man is like one channel only working or is there an expansion (laughs) ship that's not supported in this and uh, no then everything kicks in and it just becomes this kind of kind of cool groove track I liked it yeah I feel like of all the ones that we've played so far this one could probably fit the most well as a video game track right right I can I can see that so uh, DJ Maximum uh, this guy, I couldn't really find a whole lot of information on him. I guess he started out making music with a Korg Electribe MX. And he says on his, uh, I think it was his SoundCloud that, or no, it was Chip Music, uh, his bio there. He said that I'd feed my cassette player through uh, that and remix lots of different stuff. Um, he was also interested in circuit bending and vintage keyboards. But then he found programs like, uh, you know, LSDJ and Nano Loop and started playing with those. And so he has a bunch of Game Boy files out there as well, Game Boy music out there. And uh, yeah, he also has some NES tracks like this. And he's done a bunch. Like, I was kind of going through some of his catalog and there. I mean, just tons of stuff. And some of it's very, very recent, like like the last two weeks. So cool. uh, yeah, but that's all I know. I don't know anything about the guy other than that. Sounds like he started off very, very lo-fi and then he kind of expanded out from there. Yeah. Anyways, I think uh, we can move on to your next track. What do you got for us? Sure. Uh, Well, this next track is going to use a different expansion chip. We're kind of trying to showcase as many as we can this show. Uh, This one is called the VRC-6, otherwise known as a Virtual ROM Controller 6. And this one was used by a lot of Konami games back in the day but more recently uh, became quite famous when uh, Vert or Jake Kaufman used it in the Shovel Knight soundtrack. Uh, basically, he wrote that soundtrack in Famitracker and got tons and tons of acclaim for it. A lot of people started um, using this VRC6 chip in their own uh, demo scene and chiptune compositions recently. So um, the VRC6 uh, adds three extra sound channels to the five that are in the stock NES, so that equals eight sound channels total. Uh, There's an additional two square waves, uh, each have eight duty cycles, and then one sawtooth wave, which gives it a very nice gritty uh, bass or lead line, and it really has a very unique characteristic to it. You'll definitely hear a little bit of that in this song. So let's take a listen to Showdown VIP from The Champster using the VRC6 and the NES APU. It's showtime.
right, that was Showdown VIP Mix from The Champster using the NSF APU plus the VRC6 expansion chip. Oh, holy oh, cow. <laughs> holy moly. Dude, that was incredible. I, yeah, I've never heard NES dubstep before, and uh, he knocked it out of the park. Holy um, man. I, <laughs> I haven't heard this yet. I have not heard this. This is my first time hearing it with you uh, on the show, and so... Because uh, we're trying, we're trying to um, keep our tracks, you know, not hidden from each other, but we're trying to listen to them for the first time uh, together on the show. So yeah, to get a uh, first impression. That yeah. Kind of deal. So uh, my first impression is just like, like I got to pick my jaw up the, off the floor, <laughs> you know, like that was that was so. I mean, those long, really powerful sweeps, and uh, I, you know what I really liked was that um, it was on one of the VRC6 uh, channels. It was just that you know, this yeah, simple, yeah. that simple square wave. I was like, oh man, I'm digging it. This is so cool. Very, very awesome track. And then a lot of those those little like glitch segments. Whenever it would like pause, you get like that little pa- like do do like the little NES pause sound that <laughs> yeah. you would get on the old games. Uh, he just he, it was a lot of detail, a lot of really cool effects, a lot of very nice channels playing off each other. Uh, especially use of that like like I said before, that sawtooth wave is just so gritty oh, and yeah. just like kind of like just scratches through everything else that's on top of it. Um, it was a lot of fun. You got to hear a little bit of that sample channel at the beginning with that sample there. You know, it just goes through lots of different parts, too. Keeps it fun, keeps it fresh. This is what they would call a banger. Big time. And, you know, it, it stayed pretty fresh and, and dynamic the whole way through. That was a long track. Yeah, And yeah. so um, I expected a lot more repetition, but, you know, we're halfway into it, and I'm like, man, it hasn't looped or anything. It's just yeah. still going, and this is... I, I was impressed. I was very impressed. And he keeps some of the same themes throughout the entire song too, like that little, um, a little kind of arp do 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 do. You know that that kind of stays and kind of like makes the whole song sound cohesive, regardless of what you know all the wub wubs were doing in the meantime. So yeah, he had a really good handle on it. You know, and and I was chatting with him a couple days ago, and he's like, you know, I don't really consider myself. Uh, a music maker that much. I, I consider myself primarily a graphic artist, and I'm like, dude, you know that saying, "Don't quit your day job." Maybe you should quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that was incredible. Uh, I mean, I've heard guys who've been composing for years that can't touch that track. I mean, that was yeah, that was yeah. really impressive. And he's a relative newcomer to the scene. He doesn't really have that many channels under his belt. I was talking to our, our friend Aaron Hickman, otherwise known as Dia. We had him on the show a while ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's he's got a lot of friends in the scene. So I reached out to him. I was like, dude, do you know of any guys that are doing really cool stuff, you know, with NSFs or, you know, the NES APU? And, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of spotlight somebody that may not be showing up on, you know, Poet.net or DemoZoo or, you know, something that was that was new and fresh. Right. And uh, he, he pointed me in the direction of DeChampster. And I was like, shout out to Aaron for that, because this is this is amazing. This dude deserves the spotlight for oh, sure. Big time. Big um, time. His real name is Randolph Waddell. He's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the USA. This track just came out last month, January 2017. Um he does do a digital webcomic on Tumblr. It's called Sasha Ruins Everything. You can head over to dechampster.tumblr.com and check that out. Um, he's also got a SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash dechampster, and you can check out a lot of his other tracks as well. A really good dude. He was a lot of fun to talk to. We were chatting back and forth for a while. I'm really going to you know, keep my eye on on the rest of the stuff, you know, oh, stuff yeah. that he comes out with in the future. You haven't heard the last of this guy for oh, sure. Definitely, definitely follow him. You know, I saw his name pop up on several different sites that I was, you know, cause we're looking for music for this episode. And I saw that name pop up and, uh, I, you know, I, there, there's so much, you know, re- let's back up for a second here. So when we were looking <laughs> for music for this episode, you know, we, we know the spots to get, you know, C64, AY, mods xm you know we know our spots for that stuff yeah. but when it came to like game boy or um nes something a little bit you know outside of the uh, the traditional demo scene uh sphere uh we're just kind of scratching our heads and so we're we're talking to each other back and forth like man like do you know any good places for this stuff <laughs> and so we started kind of coming across stuff and it snowballed and all of a sudden you know within a, a few hours we have gobs of repositories of NSF music and uh, just too much to go through. And so back to the Champster, when I saw this name pop up, 
I had already seen like probably like a thousand tracks at this point, and I was just like, ah, I think I got enough. Uh, so right. I just totally it was just another name in a list. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, I unfortunately missed it, but I'm really excited because now I can go through his catalog and uh, see what else uh, is coming from him in the future. Yeah, and that's part of the part of the point of this show, isn't it? To pick out those those gems because there's just so much music right. out there, and it's so easy to gloss over all of it or to just see a name and and it's just another name on another page, but you never know that you know there's something really magical happening with that name that right. is, is just another guy in a, in a list full of blue text on a white background. So exactly, um, so once in a while you just hit some gold. Yeah, so a lot of the time on this show, it's just as much discovery as it is for the listeners as it is for us. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll say, oh, I like this track, don't want to play it. But a lot of the time we are searching, we're actively looking for stuff. Um, sometimes it's not always the best, but it makes use of certain, you know, unique functions or features. And uh, that is always something interesting to add on. Exactly. Anyways, I think we're ready to move on to our next track. I think we'll keep the uh, expansion chip stuff flowing. This next track is uh, using the Famicom Disk System attachment, which is the 2C33. And uh, Famicom Disk System was interesting because it only came out in Japan. Uh, It was this attachment. I got one at home, actually. You plug it into your Famicom, and uh, your Famicom sits right on top of it. It has like a whole cartridge and everything. And what it does, well, Ed, why don't you explain what the expansion actually does? The FTS expansion sound is is one channel. So it's one channel of single cycle wavetable lookup synthesis with a built-in phase modulator for sound generation. So it's kind of similar to an FM synth, but it's still wavetable. So it's got a very unique kind of timbre to it. It does have a very distinct, clean, uh, tone to it that makes you know when you hear uh, a Famicom disk system game and that channel being used you can spot it real quick yeah um, the, the Famicom disk system you know going back to what I was saying it's an attachment what this allowed Famicom players to do in Japan was to play disk based games it was like you know the same game like uh, you know Zelda Metroid stuff came out on the Famicom disk system and you know you could have rewritable disks so you can save your data and all that stuff it was just an expansion that we never got here so making use of this channel is is pretty awesome and we're going to hear a track called Jive Thrice and this is by IPI Thank you. 
right, that was Jive Thrice, composed by IPI. This is using the Famicom Disk System Attachment, the 2C33 chip. And uh, this track came out in October 30th of 2012, and it was his entry into the Famicompo Mini 9 Original Compo that came, uh, took 15th out of 49. Uh, this was a, I don't know, I had a lot of fun with this track. There's something. This was a jam. Yeah, this was a jam. Uh, there's something about this track, too, that, um, <laughs> you know, it really, that lead has like a very like NES classic Japanese game sound feel to yes. it. But the rhythm section is complete demo scene. So it's a really interesting kind of mashup of both styles. You get that, you know, those really soaring, uh, pretty almost like like a meg almost like a Mizutani kind of uh, lead in there. And then this baseline rhythm section is just off the hook demo scene goodness. Yeah, I felt like uh, it was almost kind of like a Lost Ninja Turtles soundtrack or there something like go. that. Those, those leads really reminded me of uh, Ninja Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project. Yeah, with the slides and everything in there too. Yeah, yeah very, very round sound to those square channels. So that really got me going. And then uh, that bass solo, like three quarters of the way through the song was just had such a cool groove to it right so now that that bass channel was the fds track right right that was the uh pretty much the sole purpose of the uh fds channel was the bass line and i uh, made great use of it you can hear it it's uh not as pronounced i was trying to find a track that actually made use of the uh the fds but um this was a track i i just love this track so i was like well it's using the fds so let's go ahead and put it in there it's not the best yeah. example to get an idea of what it sounds like but i think you can still uh pick it out of the lot from the nes yeah. apu and it's nice because it frees up an extra channel. So now you can use both the triangle and the two squares all as leads. Mm -hmm. So you can use a, you know, a keyboard line and a two supporting guitar lines. You know, however you want to instrumentalize what you're hearing in your mind, you know, you have that that extra layer of, of harmonization going on. So even though it's a little bass line in the background, it really does make a big difference when you're when you're talking about the composition of the song. Right. So um, a little bit about IPI. Now, this isn't his first appearance on the show. We actually had him way back in episode three. Uh, I think you played a track called Ice Cream Orchards. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember that. Yeah, yep. he did that with Go Luigi. And uh, man, that was a long time. That was like a year ago now. Yeah, that was a great track too. I still remember that one. Yeah, me too. And um, so his name popped up and I was like, okay, let's see what this guy's got for the NES. And sure enough, I was impressed. And so I was like, mm, yeah, using the FDS, this is a, a definite candidate. Um, IPI, his real name is Sean Latham, and he is from Sheffield, England. And he uh, he's a programmer and a chiptune artist that started programming in Game Maker when he was only nine years old. Wow. And I have, yeah, I have no idea when he started doing music, but he's pretty damn good at it. So I uh, hope he keeps it up. Uh, like I said, this is 2012, so um, that still feels like new to me. And, but I mean, you know, that's, that's <laughs> what, five years ago? Five years ago. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, cool track. Um, I don't know where I actually found this. Uh, it, that's actually might have been on Poet. Um, but yeah, it was just a cool track, and I'm glad we got to bring IPI back on the on the episode. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, I think we're ready to move on. What do you got? All right, my last track of the day is called Nifus by Seamus. And uh, this is another one that takes advantage of the VRC6 chip. So let's take a listen. That was Nifus. That was from Seamus and Nifa. So it's a neat little combination of both of their names. <laughs> I didn't realize that until right now. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, wow. That, that kind of worked out for him. That came out uh, December 3rd, 2008. And it took 12th place in the Chapixa 6 Old School Music Composition. And it's a short little loop, but it's a lot of fun. I feel like it's very video gamey. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, Kirby, 
the pink, yes. the pink thing. Oh yeah, this is like Kirby's I, dance party. Definitely, I thought <laughs> the same thing. It's got a lot of those nice little, um, you know, arpeggios and and that that it's in that same key that most of the Kirby music is in too. Right, so. right. It was a lot of fun to listen to. It didn't really take too much advantage of that VRC6 chip, but I think it just used it to kind of add a little bit more flair and um, stuff. Texture, yeah, right, exactly. Right. I was watching the uh, the piano, the keyboard uh, play the notes. I was I was watching uh, or as, as I was listening to the music. Oh my god, it was it looks so cracked out to me. That thing is like all over the place, <laughs> like just thousands and thousands of notes just flying around i mean man it's an impressive composition because uh for me my you know i can't i can't think that fast i'm sure these were done you know each channel was done separately but still like putting that all together is a lot of uh, a lot of planning and prep and uh, so yeah my my hat's off to him for that yeah well i mean seamus knows what he's doing because he contributed code to both modplug tracker and open mpt so Uh, he kind of knows the ins and outs of trackers themselves. So, you know, if, if, if they were working with something like Famitracker, I'm sure that, you know, he's got the, the whole tracking system down and knows knows what to do. So uh, Seamus' real name is Imran Hamid, and uh, he hails from the United States. And Naifa is Daniel Callender, and he's from Glasgow. And, uh, you know, I don't know too much about Seamus. He's got a lot of social media presences here and there, but there are no pictures of him. Uh, There's no mention of him anywhere except for his real name in in, in one location, which I found. Um, But uh, beyond that, he doesn't have any groups listed. Like, he's just kind of like this shadowy guy that pops up every once in a while. and Composes awesome tunes and disappears. Exactly, like a ninja. Um, he's, <laughs> he's got a bunch of posts on the Open MPT forums, you know, for support and just showing off different tracks that he's done. But again, you know, not much about you know the the who Seamus the real man is. So, um, right. but not not much about that. Um, Daniel Calendar Nifa, uh, he is primarily like he works with robots and gadgets and stuff. He's got a YouTube channel uh, that shows him like modifying like drones and creating different inventions and stuff. So he he's. He's, I guess he's more into that than composing, but you know he's got a very mechanical brain, so I'm sure that helps out with with composing and tracker format too. So. I think so. All in all, is just a really cool track, and these guys kind of play off each other very, very well. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, again, you know, it is very bubbly, very um, positive feeling. Uh, yeah, I, th- that's not a bad thing. I like that. They, you know, especially in in game audio, uh, it makes me. It sets the mood for when you're playing. Now, this isn't for a game, but uh, I think it's in the same vein. It has that uh, that really just bright, cheerful, puts you in a good mood. You can skip down the street and uh, you know say hi to your neighbor, kind of feel. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just I thought it was a cool track. Uh, I'm very glad to you. Yeah, and I, I felt on. that my other two picks were very, very kind of like noisy and dark, so I needed something to kind of counterbalance that a little bit. <laughs> I think you did well. We got a really <laughs> nice blend of music today. Very happy with the selection. Absolutely. It really kind of showed off what the what the chips and the expansion chips can do and why, you know, the NES is such a loved system, whether or not it's, it's video game music or it's chiptune, you know, scene music. Uh, it really, for, for what's kind of a, looks very simple on paper, it's very powerful and, and can definitely make a lot of different sounds and 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 bring a lot of different emotions to to the forefront has a very wide range uh or has a wide scope of uh sounds that it can produce and styles and uh there's a lot of creativity to be uh to be found in on the nes especially using all these expansions now there's a few expansion chips that we haven't played a you know a track that uh features them why don't you um explain some of those to us yeah, there are three other chips that were available for use on the NES and Famicom. The first one was the MMC5, and this was Nintendo's only first-party sound expansion chip, uh, aside from the one that was in the Famicom Disk System. And this gave the developers three extra square wave sound channels. I guess the most famous instance of this would be um, the Japanese version of Castlevania III, right, or right, right. Akamaju Densetsu. Uh, the second one was the Namco 163 audio variant. Um, so usually the, the 163 chip was just a memory mapper, but there was a variant that contained extra sound hardware, and that played 4-bit wave samples. So it could play like really simple sampled sounds that weren't wavetable. Um, you can get a little piano sound or some voice samples. Uh, it supported up to eight extra sound channels with these with these 4-bit waves, but the more sound channels you used, you started getting some really crappy artifacting and, yeah. and it would slow the game down. It was just so you usually only used one one to three channels, I think, 
was was safe if you were trying to use that. Right. Um, and then the third one was only used in one game called Lagrange Point, and it's the VRC7. And this contains a full YM2413 derivative, providing six channels of FM synthesis audio. And that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's why that game sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah. So. And there, I, you know, I haven't really seen any demo scene tracks that I've come across that use that. But if if I find any, I definitely want to want to showcase them because that combination of, uh, you know, five wavetable channels plus the FM, the potential for that is very, very great to be really, really cool. Yeah. No, I'm, you know, and I'm sure there's stuff out there we just haven't come across it yet. So yeah, for another exactly. episode, we'll definitely have some some tracks. I'm sure something's gonna pop up. We're like, hey, gotta add this in. <laughs> Anyways, so um, that kind of wraps up the uh, the expansion ships and stuff. We do have one more track left to play. We started with the NES, the stock five channels uh, NES APU. Um, we went through the expansion ships, and uh, I thought, you know, maybe it's a good idea to bring it back down to uh, the basics and play another track using only the five channels of the NES. The track is called High Hopes and it was composed by Ruvari from the group Aspect. That was High Hopes, composed by Ruvari from the group Aspect. And this is using the PAL version of the NES APU, the 2A07. And this was released in August of 2007. And the name comes from the demo it was used in by Aspect that took first place in the old school demo combo at Assembly 2007. Um, but yeah, this track, I first heard in, you know, it starts off kind of slow, so you don't know where it's going, and it's a little bit, uh, you really have to turn up the volume. And uh, it, it, it's kind of slow to build, but when it, that, you know, the drum and bass kicks up, and uh, everything really starts moving, and, the, you know, the balls are rolling, uh, I think it's an excellent, just phenomenally composed track using just the stock NES APU. Yeah, that bass is just massive. Oh. I mean, you, you forget, because so many tracks traditionally use the triangle, 
as the bass. It's got a much rounder tone, so when it gets low, it's it's still very palatable, but when you use the square as the bass and get it that low, it's got this gritty tone, and it just seems to get so much lower than that triangle channel can get. Yeah. And you kind of forget how deep the NES can can kind of produce these these sounds because you don't really hear it that often in, in games and stuff. Mm. So that's really cool to, to like hear that and then get a kind of a track on top of that that it just hits both the high and the low range at the same time in a way that just makes the song sound like more than the sum of its parts, I guess. Right, and you know what? If you played this track uh, and I didn't know it was an NSF file, I, I would just be convinced that this was a, an XM file or a mod file uh, yeah. right off the bat because it, it retains so much uh, of the the classic sounds, the tropes that we hear in uh, demo scene music. I mean, kind of reminds me of something we'd hear from like Fear of Dark or um, Algar or one of those other composers it has a lot of that uh, kind of sound, I guess, influence to me. But um, it just... Yeah, it almost had like an AHX style, you know, format sound to it. Right, right, right. Um, Ruvari, we have not talked about him on the show yet. His real name is Miko Imonen, and he is a Finnish chiptune artist and programmer that was a member of Epoch, uh, Jumalauda, Moonhazard, the Royal Elite Ninjas, Inc., and also Aspect. And Aspect is an interesting group because um, they were the ones that created a tracking program for the NES called Muse Tracker, which uh, Ed had mentioned earlier. And it was made by the Fox, which was another member of the group. But it was a few years after this track was released, so obviously it wasn't used for this, uh, not to my knowledge. But uh, it's pretty cool that this uh, this group really had an interesting focus. They moved around. They did a lot of different uh, demos on the, uh, the NES. And so uh, this one deserved first place. I think the track was uh, just very well written, well thought out. Listen, man, I don't care what Aspect did. If you're going to offer me a membership in the Royal Elite Ninjas, Inc., I'm taking that <laughs> position. I'm sorry. That is the best name I've ever heard. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, man, I had not heard of that group, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, so Rivari, again, um, really glad we could you know, bring him, uh, some of his stuff onto the show. And uh, hopefully we see more from him in future episodes. I had a blast today really going through the NES hardware uh, talking about all these expansion chips and discovering some of these tracks that normally I wouldn't find. So Yeah, I had a great time too. It was really nice to be able to kind of, you know, visit this sound system from my youth and kind of explore uh, the different things that it can do and learn a little bit more about it in the process. Yeah, especially because we're coming at this from a different angle than we normally do on our respective video game music shows, right? You know, we're looking mm, at it from sure. more of a like a, a creative amateur and uh, demo scene perspective. And so, uh, I, yeah, I had a lot of fun really interesting stuff and we're going to be you know feathering in uh some nes tracks for you guys in future episodes too um we're still gonna you know kind of gravitate to the uh the mod scene and uh you know c64 and stuff but these tracks will always have a place in a home here and i'm glad we introduced it, it took us 25 episodes but uh yeah <laughs> you know hey you know we we can only do one every five episodes so uh and it was well worth the wait i know? think so and also, you know, we are uh, kind of on the lookout for more um, awesome Mega Drive tracks, awesome Game Boy tracks. If you guys know composers that work really well with these, if you have, you know, used these these systems and have made some awesome tunes, feel free. Head over to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash impulse project. Uh, share your tunes or, or message us and share your music with us. You know, maybe it'll get on the show. Maybe we can just, you know, share it in the group and we we'll, can all talk about it. And Because I'm really looking forward to seeing more from those systems because it's kind of like feeling like needle in a haystack at this point for a lot of those those uh, recent ones that we've we've kind of gone on with but haven't really shared much else afterwards. Yeah, and if you have a track that you really like uh, and you want to record a little sound clip and send it our way, we'd be happy to uh, talk about it on the on the show. So uh, yeah, the, putting that out there and just in case you you have something that uh, is interesting to you that you think we we need to look into. Also, if you want to find us, you can find us online at impulseproject.info, and we are on Twitter at impulsecast. Um, I think that's about it. I think that's about it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm very happy that we can add this new chip to our arsenal. So me too. I'm already. I'm already getting some uh, extra ones to play in future free pick shows. <laughs> yeah, which is probably what our next show will end up being. So yeah. maybe we'll, we'll. Maybe I'll have to drop Sid for a little while and pick up some. <laughs> Some NES APU, we'll see. Yeah, and if you're new to the show, make sure you check out some of our past episodes. Again, uh, some of the chip focuses we've done. We did uh, the 
AY chipset. We did the uh, Mega Drive Game Boy. Um, kind of covered it all at this point. We even did Sid episode five. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, there are a couple of uh, kind of obscure and less used chips out there that we still have yet to cover, but we'll we'll get to them eventually. And you know, if you guys know of any that you'd like to see us uh, talk about a little bit, again, feel free to message us and let us know. Yep, uh, we might have to do a beeper only uh, episode. Oh, that would be excellent, but I'd have such a headache by the time it was done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you back in a few weeks for the next episode, and it will be a free pick. So Ed and I will have some picks for you guys to listen to. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time, guys. Peace out.